Acts chapter 23. The Apostle Paul has been Detained. He's not officially in jail, but he's being kind of kept in protective custody. We'll see how that is going about as we get into this. Beginning at verse 12. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are all ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him, but do not be persuaded by them for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready 200 soldiers and 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Let us pray. Father, we ask for your blessing upon this reading, upon this lesson. May we glean from these passages, not just instruction, but encouragement May we also find in your spirit and truth motivation and strength to be faithful to you. Some of us may need courage. May we find that as well as we realize how close you very are. You really are to our lives. Be with us all this day as we look together into your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Some years ago, the late Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called No Little People. I would recommend it. It might be a little bit difficult to find in print. You can find a used one on Amazon for about $150, which made my jaw drop. Fortunately, I have his complete works, but it's been a while since I read it. But it is a worthy read. One of the principles he says in his book, the scriptures emphasize that much can come from little if the little is truly consecrated to God. There are no little people and no big people in the true spiritual sense, but only consecrated and unconsecrated people. The problem for each of us is applying the truth to ourselves. And then he asks the question, is Francis Schaeffer the Francis Schaeffer of God? You might be able to ask the same question. The scripture emphasizes that much can come from little if the little is truly consecrated to God. There are no little people and no big people in the true spiritual sense, but only the consecrated and unconsecrated. So ask yourself, as I ask myself, is Dave Kinney the Dave Kinney of God? To yourself, just ask yourself, using your own name. As we look at the text this morning, this episode in Acts 23 is kind of borrowed a little bit from last week, but we kind of went through this quickly, and I want to focus in on someone who is considered, perhaps by many, someone of little consequence. Last week we saw that God protected the Apostle Paul provided armed protection, and also provided protected travel as he went from Jerusalem to Caesarea. This week we want to look a little bit closer to part of the story. Look a little again, look a little closer again at the same text. The tribune, Claudius Lucius, and you may have noticed I said Lucius instead of Lesius. The Y in Greek is our U. And I may be wrong, I'm not a master in Greek, but it just sounds better, Lucius, to me. The tribune, Claudius Lucius, had pulled Paul out of a mob of beating, had given orders to Paul to be punished, discovered Paul was a Roman citizen, and delayed the orders. The next day, the tribune tried to understand the cause of the disturbance. Why were these Jews so angry with this Roman? And it started another riot. So he sent his soldiers to withdraw Paul again to keep him safe. Paul was kept in custody by the Roman military. Scripture tells us he's in the barracks. He's not in jail. He's not in prison. It's kind of a house arrest in a dormitory. Meanwhile, as Paul is being kept safe, Jews wanted to figure out how to kill Paul. Forty men closely associated with the Sanhedrin made a plot and made a vow. We're not going to eat or drink until he's dead. 
determination. Sometimes I wish I could tell myself, I'm not going to eat or drink until I lose weight. I don't mean to be facetious, but you look at the determination for them to have Paul put out of this world and we can't even wait until our next biscuit. The leaders of Israel at that time were so full of vitriol, contempt, hatred, and bitterness. The high priest and the Sanhedrin did not tolerate any dissension ever. You remember how much trouble they gave Jesus as he walked this earth. They wanted him dead too. They were constantly plotting to either have him arrested or have him assassinated. Even after Lazarus was raised from the dead. John 12.10 says the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. That man's testimony who came out of the grave is ruining our, our good thing. He needs to die as well. So these men came to the Sanhedrin and said, send word to the tribune, ask for another hearing. We will make sure Paul doesn't even make it to the appointment. In verse 16, it says, now Paul's son, the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, so he entered the barracks and told Paul. Sinclair Ferguson thinks it's kind of remarkable that we would not have known that Paul even had a sister were it not for this passage. We know very little about his family. But when his nephew told him about this, Paul called, verse 17, called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune for he was, has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going, out, going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush. They have bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. There are no little people, no unimportant people in God's church. They're either consecrated to God or they are not consecrated to God. And you may not know this. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you profess him as your Redeemer, you're already consecrated to him. It goes above and beyond your will. He will use you for, your, for his glory and for your good as he deems fit. As we look at this nephew of Paul, 
Depending on the commentary, some say he was a young man, some say he was a boy. I think the biggest clue hinges upon how this tribune handled him. The tribune took him by the hand. I might understand that it would be a boy if it, if it was really taking the boy's hand, but I don't know that scripture is clear here when it talks about the hand, it's a feminine term, so I don't know if he's talking about his own hand as though he were, here, just grab his arm, come over here with me. Or did he take the boy to reassure him? We don't know. At any rate, we don't even know his name, but it matters little whether he is a boy or a teen or a young adult. He was strategically placed by God for the safe delivery of the Apostle Paul. It is quite unique that the Lord put it in this young person's heart to save his uncle. If you remember the zeal of Paul before he was saved, back when he was called Saul, he was the Sanhedrin and the priesthood's star player. He was persecuting anyone and everyone he could find who followed the way or who followed the Lord Jesus. When Paul abandoned that life to suffer for Christ, we can assume that his family and his community considered him dead. In Philippians 3, he himself wrote, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul gave up everything in his life in order that he might follow the Lord Jesus. But his nephew had been led by God. Perhaps he had heard Paul's preaching. Perhaps he was following the Lord privately so far. We don't know. This is the only time he's mentioned. This is the only thing we know about him. But he was there for God's purpose. The scripture emphasizes, again quoting Schaefer, Schaefer, the scripture emphasizes that much can come from little if the little is truly consecrated to God. There are no little people and no big people in the true spiritual sense, but only consecrated and unconsecrated people. I know there are a lot of people in churches today who think they are just small, of little consequence, of little influence, and they almost feel like they've been forgotten. Many of them think they've been forgotten by the Lord. But they need to repent of that. There are no little people. Do you remember? Oh, of course you do. Billy Graham, the great evangelist of the 20th century. Who led him to the Lord? We don't, someone knows his name. I was told his name some years ago. 
but I've already forgotten it. Someone being faithful to the Lord is outshined by one of his converts, but God still gets all the glory. We can go back to the Old Testament again and again and again and see example, one right after another. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Captured by the Babylonians when Jerusalem fell around 683. These were young people. Youths. But these three were appointed to serve as administrators. Daniel was also taken with him. He was appointed to serve the king's court. And scripture tells us the three excelled in performance of their duties. In Daniel 3.12 it says there are certain... The Babylonian administrators were kind of jealous of their ability and their gifts. They were young men of integrity and diligent in their work. And they came to the king and said, There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These these conspirators knew that the Jews followed the law of Moses. They knew that they only worshipped one god. So they set up a test. King Erect an image of yourself and hire a band. And every time the band plays music, everybody in the sound of that band, in sound of that music, and in sight of that idol, needs to stop what they're doing and bow down and worship. But these three Hebrews refused to do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said to him, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. The king gave them a second chance. These men were pointed out, look, they did not bow down. They were brought before the king and said, all right, we're going to play this music, and you're going to bow down, and all will be forgiven. We need no more time to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, they will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Consecrated to God. Determined to be devoted to him. Three representatives of a conquered people. Young people. Most young people are easily intimidated. They don't have life experience. They don't have knowledge. They don't have wisdom to deal with things that are confronted before them. That's why when our young people are taken in the military, they are drilled and trained and conditioned. To resist that kind of thing. 
Again, you may be familiar with the story of Esther. The Persian king, King Ahasuerus, had a queen who was a little independent. She did not come when the king bid her to come. It displeased the king and he had her put away. And he wanted to find another bride. He wanted to find another queen. So he began putting this in common language, a beauty contest. To find the most lovely king and all of queen and lovely woman in all of Persia. Esther was a young Jewish. Her parents had died when she was a child and she was raised by another relative named Mordecai. She considered Mordecai as her father. And you know the story well. Esther was selected with many others to come to the king's palace. And Mordecai told her, do not let them know you are Jewish. Do not let them know you are Hebrew. And Mordecai kept as close to the palace as he could to send messages to communicate with her and make sure she stayed safe. She was eventually declared the most beautiful woman in Persia. She became queen of Persia. Meantime, the king had appointed a man named Haman to a place of authority in Persia, he even gave this man a throne, a seat of authority. And Haman insisted the people as he rode through the streets that they bow down to him. Haman loved the respect and the honor. But as he passed by Mordecai, Mordecai never would bow down. That infuriated Haman. And Haman convinced the king to issue a decree to have all the Jews in the land of Persia killed. Mordecai, along with the citizens of Persia, were aware of the decree before Esther heard anything about it. Mordecai got word to Esther asking her for her to intervene. And Esther responded to the request, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise, from the, rise, rise for the Jews for another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. There are no little people in God's authority. An un unknown young woman 
strategically placed right next to the king to be able to deliver a people safely. That the seed of Abraham may be preserved and that one day the Messiah would come. God's people, quoting Schaefer again, God's people are to be active. Not seeking on account of some false mystical concept to sit constantly in the shade of a rock. There is no monasticism in Christianity. You're not supposed to live as a monk and be a believer. You're supposed to be active in your faith. You're supposed to be active in your trust. You're supposed to be active in your learning You're supposed to be active in your sharing. You're supposed to be faithful to him. You may say, I don't know enough. Be faithful in your learning. It's been kind of slammed into our minds and our thinkings over the past 40 years perhaps even longer, that just being a housewife is some diminished level of importance in this world. I'm just a housewife. No, you are much more than that. You are a daughter of the king, and you have the responsibility over a home and over a family and over a legacy of generations beyond your life. Be faithful to him. Respect and enjoy the life he has blessed you with. I'm not called to ministry. I understand that not many are. But you are saved and called to be faithful to your Savior. And you might not think that there's much to it just getting coming to the Lord Jesus, getting saved, and sharing your testimony. But that can go very far in so many ways. You think of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Wonderful story of forgiveness. How many times has that story been used to lead someone to Christ? An unfaithful woman. We don't even know her name. She's just a woman of Samaria. But she rejoiced to know the Savior. Or another one in John 8, woman caught in adultery. How many times has that been used to share the gospel? Another woman of no consequence, and yet her story speaks volumes to the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus and cause us all to repent and follow him. We read through scriptures, the gospels, particularly seeing where the lame, the lepers, the blind were all loved and delivered by the Lord Jesus himself. All of these little people of great consequence. God used a nephew to save Paul's life. God used three Hebrew captives in Babylon to reveal his presence and power. 
God used newlywed bride in Persia to deliver her people from destruction. There are no little people. The fruit that you share in this life bears, excuse me, the seed that you share in this life will bear much fruit if you are faithful. In your family, in your home, in your neighborhood, where you work, with all who you share with. We are challenged in this day and this time because it seems like the world out there is so spiritually dark and contrary to the Bible. Yes, it is. The world is so spiritually dark and hostile to the Bible. Do not fear. God is still on the throne. If you look in Revelation 13, you see how the beast rising from the sea overwhelms the world. Chapter 14 shows the Lamb of God still reigning supreme over all of it. He is still on control. Be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or dread or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Again, Isaiah 41 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you believe it? Are you his? Then you're not small. He has purchased your soul. He has redeemed you from the bondage of sin with his own blood. And he loves you. Shall we pray? Thank you, Father, for this day and for this time together. We pray that you might speak to our hearts and help us to be faithful to you in all things. It is so easy to become discouraged. It is so easy to be overwhelmed. But, Father, we long to trust in what you have done for us. We long to believe your word. Help us to walk by faith because we are what we are seeing right now in this world, the spiritual darkness, the violence, the immorality, the idolatry, seems to overshadow us. Let us see through that dark veil of clouds and into the light of your glory that is eternal and powerful. And let us remember that we shall soon be delivered from this darkness.
and stand together in victory in your glorious presence. And remembering that, Lord, let us be faithful here and now. It is in the name of the Savior we pray. Amen.